Well, we do greet you in Christ's name. It is a joy to be together today. Uh, thank you, Matt, for that devotional. That one last song that we sang, Hail Holy Light. I'm sitting there, it begins, it's sort of like the uh, uh, earth waking up in the morning. And I'm, I'm not a big hunter, but I was thinking about in the deer stand, you know, before light and the sun begins to rise. This is a perfect morning to think about it. And the shadows begin to leave and the beauty of creation just bursts forth and shows itself. And then uh, I opened what he said, Psalm 148. It's the title had something to do about the praise of creation. And in our lives, you know, we go through, uh, we can go through difficulty and we go through those periods that are night, can feel very dark. I think the songwriter, there's a song that says about night can be so long. But we reach out and we lay hold of Jesus. That light, you know, it's sort of like the sun beginning to rise and dispelling the shadows and bringing hope into our hearts and into our lives. And so as we go through the battle of life, we constantly, as we've been talking about, need to focus on Jesus. And I want to think about today what we have in Christ and how it's easy to forget that as we go through life. There was a certain man who his dream was to his dream was to go on a cruise. He just really wanted to go take a cruise. And so he spent a lot of he saved, he worked hard, he got the money together, and so finally one day he purchased this cruise ticket, and he was so excited, and just, this was going to be great. And as he was getting ready to go, he was like, you know, the food on the ship will be really expensive, and he didn't have a lot of extra money, and it's like he was just so overwhelmed and overthrilled about the cruise that he's like, I'll just take a little bit of bread and some peanut butter, and I'm going to... Food's at least or whatever I'm thinking about. And so he gets on the cruise and, you know, the first day it was exciting. And he would go to his, uh, uh, whatever they call them, his room, and he would eat his peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or whatever he had with it. But, you know, by about the fourth or the fifth day, he saw the porters gone. And they were, I mean, you know, the fancy food, the good food. And a couple of days later, it just got peanut butter on bread gets old real quick for me. I don't know about you, but I don't. That's not something I really enjoy. And he was just so sick of it. And he's finally, he stops one of the guys and he says, uh, he said, where, how, you know, how, what do I need to do to get this food? And the porter looked at him and he said, well, you have a ticket, don't you? Yeah. Well, he said, the food comes with the ticket. We have, in Christ, we have the ticket. We have, oh, they don't even make keys anymore. We have the phobe. We have the key. And many times in the busyness, in the running of life, we forget the promises that are ours in Jesus Christ. And we fail to lay claim on them when he offers us so much. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. I'd like to use a passage here in the middle. 
Paul is speaking, but how he reminds us what is ours in Jesus Christ, what we have in him. I want to encourage us to appreciate what we have when we accept the forgiveness that we talked about last night in Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished, hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And then he says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren with, which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The two verses in that passage that I just want us to remember this morning. Verse 13, he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And my God, verse 19, shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, it's very elementary, and we've talked about it. If we are going to experience the fullness and the riches, the richness of Christ, we definitely need a relationship with him. We need to accept him. We need to say yes to, to salvation and to his redemption. And I would think all of us here this morning have an understanding of who Jesus is. And we've heard a lot about him. We understand that we need the Savior and the Redeemer. And we know who he is. But I want to just challenge us. Do we know who Jesus is? Do we know his son? Do we know God? Do we know his son? Do we know the Redeemer? Do we know the Savior, the risen one? Peter, he said in writing in Acts chapter 2, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly, that God hath made this same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Do we know? I mean, we know people. We know about people. But there's some people we know. And when it comes to Jesus, it's easy to know about him. But do we know him personally? And do we have that vibrant living relationship with him? You don't need to turn to it, sometime read it. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul in that chapter reflects, is kind of reflecting on his life. Thinking about some of the troubles that he had, the problems and difficulties he had, the burdens he was bearing. 
Think about some of the heaviness of life, the affliction of life, the trials of life. And then in 2 Corinthians 2.14, he comes to see Jesus. And he says, now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. That's a mouthful. Always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always. When we rest in him. There is no person, no human being. No matter how great they are. No matter who they are. Who can meet our every need in life. There are many who meet certain needs. We have government right now that thinks they can meet all of our needs by some of the things they're promoting. No one can meet the true need of humanity. But there is one, Paul says, always causes us to triumph in Christ. In Jesus, God said, you will be victorious. You will have what you need. He is, Jesus is our all-sufficient and our full adequate Lord and Savior. And we can, I believe, lift up every problem and every difficulty and every trial in life. We hold them up to him knowing we're human. We don't understand everything, but in him we can meet the difficult things of life. But we need to know him. We need to be Convinced with our own convincer that he is Lord and Christ and adequate. There was a, I had an uncle who passed away in 72. The day of the funeral, there was a tremendous, a a really big blizzard. And so there was only a couple people that were able to make it to the funeral. But uh, the grandpa or the, uh, my uncle on the other side of the family. Anyway, there was this little grandson trying to follow his grandpa. They lived next door to the church and they were going to walk. They were going to walk to the funeral. Little grandson was four or five. Anyway, they took a couple steps and the little guy said, I can't do this. And he went back to stay with his grandma. And the grandpa said, I decided I'd let him try it because he needed to be convinced with his own convincer that he couldn't walk through the snow. But we need to be convinced That means we believe that Jesus is adequate. Sometimes we have tendencies in the midst of the muddle to question who Jesus is or the power of Jesus or the care of Jesus. Go with me to Luke 18. We have a familiar story here. Blind Bartimaeus. And I want us to see that this blind man had profound belief in Jesus Christ. Now I believe it calls us. It calls us to have that same belief. That Jesus will meet our need. Luke chapter 18 verse 35. It came to pass. That as he was come nigh. That's Jesus onto Jericho. A certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by. He asked what it meant. And they told him. That Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? 
And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith has saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Now this man was blind. And outside of the outside of Jesus Christ, all of us are blind. And there's nothing we can do, we know that, to change that. To experience healing, to experience sight. We need to accept the work of Jesus. But I believe even after salvation, we continually need to stay, as we talked about, focused on him. And here was this blind man who could not see, but suddenly he knew there was an uproar. And he wondered, he said, what is it? Who's coming? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he cries out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And, you know, they rebuked him. It says they told him to, he would say in today's language, shut up, be quiet. You're just messing things up. You're in the way. But it says he cried out the more, Jesus, have mercy on me. The devil comes to us and he tells us to be quiet. Jesus doesn't care. He won't hear you anyway. Why are you experiencing this? But we need to be like the blind man. And when the devil comes, we cry out the louder, Jesus, help me, have mercy on me. We need to learn to trust him. We need to learn to run to him. Hebrews says, let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace. When Jesus died on the cross, we didn't have time for it last night. But that curtain in the temple was rent in twain. We can go boldly before the throne. Jesus has opened the door. The work of Christ has made it possible for each one of us to cry, Jesus, have mercy on me. We don't need to go through the priest. We go directly to the heart of God through his son. As followers of Jesus, we need to be as the woman in Matthew chapter 9 with that issue of blood. You know, the crowd was great. The, the, uh, I'm sure it was tight. I, it, there was a lot of activity. But her goal Her only thing she desired was to get close to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment. I don't know how sick she was. I don't know what the condition was. But she somehow pushed. She somehow got close to Jesus. And in the midst of the difficulties of life, we push our way through the crowd, so to speak. And we touch the hem of his garment. Sometimes in our lives we reflect on the past. We have failure and we're, there's times when we've messed up and there's times when we've not done that which was proper. Satan would like those failures and those past sins and those mistakes to bind us and hold us down. He throws those sins in our face. He, call, he, he throws the fact that we're not good enough, that Jesus doesn't care about us. And he wants those sins, even though they may have been forgiven, we put them under the blood. He'll hold them before us. And we've got to continue to cry out to Jesus, have mercy on us. The church cannot forgive our sins. The preacher cannot forgive our sins. The priest cannot forgive our sins. Only God can forgive our sin through the blood of Jesus. And so it means we continually keep our eye on Jesus. 
We constantly need to focus on the blessing of being forgiven. On that work that Jesus did on the cross. If we reflect on the day that we heard, you know, it may have been a period of time, but we, Jesus was calling us. We come to that age of accountability or we can we begin to recognize that we're not walking with Jesus. We've not yielded to him and we reach out by faith and accept the plan of redemption. That guilt is gone. That condemnation is gone. We have experienced the cleansing blood of Jesus. But we need to continually cry out for that cleansing. We, As long as we walk on this side of eternity, we are walking in this sin-cursed world. And as we talked about sometimes, or as we walk through the filthiness of this world, we need daily cleansing to keep ourselves pure and holy before Him. James says, if any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God who giveth liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But we need to seek the face of the one who knows all things, and he will give us all things that we need to be faithful. Christ knows our past, our present, and our future. He is the beginning and the end, or he, he sees the beginning from the end. He knows all about us. He knows everything about us. Everything. There's nothing hid from him. We need to believe that and know that. You know, before we were Christian, before conversion, we faced difficulty in life. And especially if we waited a while to give our hearts to Jesus. But you know, after conversion, the difficulties of life don't necessarily change as far as what we deal with on this side of heaven. But the thing that changes is that in those battles, we now have someone who is on our side, someone who will supply what we need to be faithful as we walk through, someone who will supply us with the answers or at least bring peace to our heart to those things that we don't understand and don't have answers for. Jesus today is alive. We talked that he arose. Yes, he, the, the work of the cross. But we need also never forget the resurrection. And because he's alive, he's living today. And he will fill us with his Holy Spirit as we reach out to him. And he will help us to deal with the issues of life that are too complex for us to understand. But he brings peace to us when we cry out to him. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do we believe that promise this morning? Do we seek and do we claim that promise by having a living, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ? Or do we seek to, to fill the needs of our life as we battle this world by going to the graveyard? You know, when the women came to the tomb in Luke chapter 24 and a few others as well, they found that tomb empty. And the angels were sitting there and they said to the women... Why seek ye the living among the dead? He has risen. A brother mentioned about heavy metal music. 
What are we feeding on? Are we going to the graveyard or are we going to the life of Jesus, to the living word? Are we feasting on the green pastures of the shepherd? Or are we scrounging among those who do not know Jesus for our food? What are we feeding on? Satan does not want us to focus on Jesus Christ. He wants us to look around us and try to find the answers to life in the graveyard. But as I said we must the other night, we must cultivate a personal, daily uh, relationship with Jesus Christ through being in his word and prayer. We need to strive to touch the hem of his garment. We need to take time to keep that, that relationship vibrant and alive. The activity that the Bible itself says will change our lives and transform us is to be in his word and meditate on it day and night, the psalmist says. Not just reading. We need to read it, but then we need to meditate on it and make it part of our lives. We need a heart that is set on seeking him, just fixed to, to, to focus on him. And I don't need to tell you that it's a constant battle with the flesh to maintain that daily, vibrant, living time of personal relationship with God where we sit down and, as we said the other night, be still before him. If we're going to have a vibrant, living, up-to-date relationship with Jesus, our Savior, we're going to need to have a vibrant, living, special time for him as well. And it needs to be a time that we're going to delight in, that we look forward to. You know, if our devotional life is a dread and a burden, it's not going to be profitable to us. We need to enjoy spending time in his, his word. It's hard to be still. Quietness and solitude is a lost art in our world today. There's a lot of bustle, a lot of activity, a lot of noise, a lot of seeking to get ahead. And it takes a lot of hard work to make a living today. I'm not going to deny that. We, men work long hours to uh, meet the needs of the family and deal with everything. But our world, in a general way, has called us to not be quiet and to not sit still. It's foolish to not continue to push ahead. It's foolish to not care about uh, your work and all of that. Someone said the continuous noise of our culture makes it hard to be quiet before him. 21st century technology dominates our days and intrudes into our nights. Noise pollution is of a hundred sorts, makes silence and stillness seem very foreign. Our senses, our inner beings have no rest, causing minds and emotions, as I mentioned last night, to, last night to break. It is said, I don't know if these numbers are true or correct, one today in this land, one out of seven shows symptoms of derangement. Emotional instability because of the noise and the hustle and bustle of busyness. And I believe God is calling us, seek him, be still. Don't go to the graveyard to find life. Go to Jesus. Go to his word. We must never, we must never feed on the fodder of this world. And it's all around us. You know, every generation, I believe, has had to deal with unique, whatever it is, 
that the world is putting at us. Every generation has those things that would call people away from feeding on the Word. And today for us, we hear it often, it's probably the endless array of electronic gadgetry, whatever that all may be. But you know, it's so captivating. It's so intriguing. Uh, Children are fascinated by screen and movement, and it's at our fingertips, and we have every sort of option. And I'm not... I don't have, we gotta to learn to deal with that. And so much of it is needed and it's useful and it's, and it's good, but it's robbing us of quiet time. There are many things devised or designed today to duplicate or replace meaningful human relationships. And I'm sure you've seen it. And I, but you go to the restaurant. And there's a couple, one on each side of the table, and they're sitting there, you know what I mean, the phone in their hand. And it's like, how's, what's the word? How, you're there to communicate, not through phone. I don't know who you're communicating. But human personal relationships have been replaced with the gadgetry of the day. And you know, that little thing in our hand brings everything. Music. News, sports, it's all there if you want it. Easy to access. Robbing us of time. I want to say, um, think about communication. Texting, email, WhatsApp, whatever. There are so many media platforms, social media platforms today. They serve a purpose But don't forget the the touch of a voice through a phone call or the written note on a card that is mailed in the mail. We have discovered that people, in spite of all the social, all the ways of communication, people are hungry for a little more, uh, a, a, a touch of care. Marios has a card ministry, and it's her. I, I, I can't write. I don't write notes. I'm not. But many times, people have come to me as they, you know, go through the line at the back of the church. Thank you for the card. Thank you for the card. The note in the mail, and children love it too. Get, send them a note in the mail, and it blesses their heart. I believe. And I, there's a place for sending support. I, I'm not condemning that. But don't forget that we do need the personal touch of each other in a way that sends a message that we care. Helping us to maintain a living, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. If we're not careful, we begin to scrounge in the graveyard of this world and not lean on each other to keep us focused. On Christ. The junk and the filth of this world will never take us onward and upward. The entertainment world is dead, and that which we sometimes tend to go to when we want to relax will not take us toward Jesus. It's controlled by Satan, it leads us downward. We constantly need to stay focused on Jesus. But we find ourselves many times with very little time to uh, focus on him. 
Remember, we're not going to find Jesus in the world, but we need to go to his word. He brings to us life. He brings to us healing. He brings to us direction in the maze of living. He brings to us hope in that dark world we talked about and also hope for the future. But tonight we want to talk about anticipating that, that, that glorious hope that awaits us. But you know, we need light. We need Jesus for life. But don't forget that we also need him for the experience of death if we're going to come out victorious. You know, we can stay away from church. We can stay away from reading the Bible. We can say no to the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can reject Christ's offer of salvation. But when the death angel comes, when our time to leave this world is here, we cannot say no. We can't say no to the work of the death angel. We are not going to push him away. We're not going to say come back tomorrow or come back next week. Our lives are in God's hand. And so when the doctors and the nurses can't help us, Jesus is all we need. He'll be with us as we walk through that valley of the shadow of death. He is the king and conqueror of death. So there's no fear as we walk the valley of death for those who are in Jesus, for those who have him on their side. As God's children, as Christians, we may have very little in this world's good goods, but we are rich in hope and the hope is free for the asking. It comes with the ticket that we get through accepting Jesus' blood. Jesus says, put your trust in me. I will forgive your past. I will guide you through the present. And I will give you hope for the future. He's all that we need. The Bible says in Acts 4, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus is all we need. All we need. I want to close with a a compilation of things I put together from various places. This is what we have in Jesus Christ. And I want us to take from this message this morning a, a heart full of hope and praise for who Jesus is and what he offers to us. For in Christ, Jesus is this. To the lost, he is the way. And to the dead, he is the life. To the liar, he is the truth. To the prayer, he is the amen. To the sheepfold, he is the door. To the mighty, he's the almighty. To the servant, he's the good master. To the sheep, he's the good shepherd. To the church, he's the chief bishop. And to the baker, he's the bread of life. To the sick, he's the good physician. To the thirsty, he's the water of life. To the valley of death, he's the shadow. To the army of God, he's the captain of salvation. To the banker, he's the hidden treasure. To the gardener, he's the true vine. To the draftsman, he's the chief architect. 
To the hungry, he's the manna from heaven. To the sinner, he is the author of salvation. To the pitiful, he's the tender sympathizer. To the heavy laden, he's the burden bearer. To the builder, he's the chief cornerstone. And to the world lost in sin, he is the savior. To the alphabet, he's the alpha and the omega. To the sky, he's the divider of night and day. To the farmer, he's the early and latter rain. To the child of God, he's the Holy Ghost baptizer. To the orphan child, he is the everlasting father. To the Mary Magdalene's, he's the friend of sinners. To the depraved and carnal man, he's the sanctifier. To the one outside of the ark of safety, he's the door. To the transgressor of the law, he's the counselor. To those in darkness, he's the light of the world. To a man without a country, he's the king of kings. To the hundreds, he's the fairest of ten thousand. To the ugliness of sin, he's the beauty of holiness. To the bruised and beaten, he's the balm of Gilead. To the astronomer, he's the bright and morning star. To the wayward traveler, he's the good Samaritan. To the theologians, he's the author and finisher of our faith. To the historian, he's the beginning of the creation of God. To the darkness of creation, he's the brightness of God's glory. To the lonely, he's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. To the surgeon, he's the sword that divides the soul and spirit. To John the Baptist, he's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. To the florist, he's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. This Jesus is all we need. To war, he's peace. To chaos, he's order. To crisis, he's solution. To discouragement, he's the hope. To solitude, he is company. To poverty, he is riches. To weakness, he is power. To mourning, he is laughter. And to ignorance, he is knowledge. This Jesus had no home, but he promised believers mansions. He had no bakery, but he produced bread to feed 5,000 people. He had no pills or hospital. But yet he healed the sick. He had no money, yet he paid his friends taxes. He attended no college, yet he taught as the scribes. Not as the scribes, but as one having the authority and holding a Ph.D. Yes, he was born in a borrowed stable. He was laid in a borrowed cattle manger. He used as his pulpit a borrowed boat. He fed thousands with a borrowed lunch. He taught from a borrowed book. He slept in a borrowed bed. He rode his king on a borrowed donkey. He observed the last supper in a borrowed room. He was mocked as king in a borrowed robe. He was crucified on a borrowed cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. But early that Sunday morning, when the women went to the tomb, they found that the stone had been rolled away. For Jesus rolled away the rock that sealed the rock, that entombed the rock with a capital R, and that rock was Jesus Christ. And the rock of ages walked out of the heart of the rock with all power and in heaven and in earth in his, in his hands. He rose from the midst of the rock with all power in his hands. His power, unborrowed power, power that flowed from him. And it is saving power, delivering power, healing power, redeeming power, Holy Ghost power, power that he offers to each one of us. 
And because He is that all power, He is all that we need. When we're hungry, He's our living bread. When we're poor, He's our unsearchable riches. When we're sad, He's good tidings of great joy. When we are in darkness, He's the light of the world. When we need advice, He's our counselor. When we're tired, He's a giver of rest. When we're sick, He's our doctor. When we're lonely, He's our friend. When we're weak, He's our strength. When we are on the mountaintop, He's our bright and morning star. When we're on the side of the mountain, He's the road of Sh- rose of Sharon. And when we're in the valley, He's the lily of the valley. For He is Jesus. And He's all power. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. When I fall, He lifts me up. When I fail, He forgives me. When I'm weak, He's strong. When I'm lost, He's the way. When I'm afraid, He's my courage. When I stumble, He steadies me. When I hurt, He heals me. When I'm broken, He mends me. When I'm blind, He leads me. When I'm hungry, He feeds me. When I face trials, He's with me. When I face persecution, He shields me. When I face problems, He comforts me. When I face loss, He provides for me. And when I face death, He will carry me home. He is everything for everyone, everywhere, every time, and in every way. He is faithful. He is Lord. I am his and he is mine. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Oh, the glory of walking in Jesus. My question this morning. Are you in him? Is he yours? Do you know his power? Do you know his richness, riches, rich, richness? Are you using the key that is in your hand because you have said yes to Jesus Christ? Do you know the richness of his fullness? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. And all you want to give to us. And so many times we fail to lay hold of the riches of your glory. Because we forget the key. We forget when we accept Jesus, the price is paid. And we have access to the full storehouse of the Father. Help us to appreciate that anew today. Forgive us for our failures our carelessness, our times of feeding in the graveyard. May we stay and appreciate anew who you are and what you desire to give to us. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.